My guest on this episode is John Dorney. John is a UK-based actor, award-winning playwright, as well as a podcaster. He co-hosts Best Pick Podcast with Jessica Regan and Tom Zielinski, both former guests of Geek 4. John is also a huge Doctor Who fan. Like many British children, John grew up watching the Doctor's adventures from the safety of behind the couch. Later, John transitioned his love of Doctor Who into a career, writing for the Doctor Who audio dramas produced by Big Finish Productions. In fact, John might be the most prolific writer of Doctor Who. The calculations are a little bit muddy, as we discuss, but he's penned almost a hundred scripts and stories for Big Finish. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? John Dorney, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Excited to talk to you. We could talk about so many different things, but I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to you about your love of Doctor Who. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yes. And let's kind of start back at the beginning. When does young John Dorney get interested in Doctor Who? Um, it's, if I remember rightly, it's about 1980. And... Um, it's a slightly weird one for me because uh, the the very first story I ever saw was well actually I I saw clips before it. I, I, the very first thing I remember is my my parents uh, wanting to switch over and watch the repeat of the very first episode of Doctor Who when it was repeated in this thing called the Five Faces of Doctor Who season, uh, and they switched over. I got scared and we switched away from it, and then I think we only just like caught the end, so I didn't get a chance to watch the first episode. Is the first thing I ever saw. Um, first thing I ever saw was um, another one of the repeats called Carnival of Monsters that was a few weeks later. Um, and But it's, it, it means slightly confusingly that the very first Doctor I ever saw was John Pertwee, um, despite him not having been the Doctor for seven years before I saw that episode. And in fact, him not having been the Doctor since before I was born. Um but yeah, he he was basically my and, and then I think the second one I saw because bafflingly they 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 repeated two stories that were sequentially shown in the seventies and they showed them the wrong way round. So the second one I saw was the Three Doctors. So then I followed that up by seeing Pertwee Troughton and uh, and William Hartnell briefly. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think I was just Im- immediately taken with it. Carnival of Monsters is still a story I'm very very fond of now, as indeed uh, is the Three Doctors, which um, which I ended up rewatching. About a month or so ago, actually, oh. um, but coincidentally. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, as a kid, I was was immensely taken with it, and uh, and then shortly after that, uh, we start the Peter Davison years, and uh, I'm pretty much in at the beginning of them. I know the the final story in this repeat season was a story called Logopolis, and and that's quite a good one to start with because it's the final Tom Baker one and introduces Peter Davis. And so you've immediately got like the concept of regeneration explained to you, like literally right at the top. In fact, having seen the three doctors, I was already kind of aware there's more than one, uh, but also that story introduces like two of his companions, one sort of the other one, definitely. Um, so it, was, it sort of felt like it was a, a really fresh start from that. And I just got to sort of dive in and, and see that. Also, it also reintroduces the mask, all these things that are kind of the staples. Um, so that it meant I could go in and watch that first season um, 
really um, quite straightforwardly. And 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 I still have sort of vivid memories of bits of that I remember. I mean, obviously, I've seen them since, but the bits which I remember seeing and finding myself going, there's a, there's a specific cliffhanger. Um, I'll have to have a second to think about it. It's a story called The Visitation, I think. Uh, yes, it is. And uh, it's the doctor about to be beheaded and uh, by, by sort of a huntsman. And he says, not again, because there is another cliffhanger two stories before where he's about to be beheaded in a story called Before to Doomsday. And I remember distinctly thinking, I remember that. I know what he's referencing. And there are all manner of stories like that all the way through. That whole first season of it, bits of it indelibly imprinted on my memory. Um, and yeah, I think I think pretty much from that point on, it it was it was love, genuinely love. I have I did describe to an ex girlfriend that I thought Doctor Who is the love of my life, and I don't think I was joking. I'm I I I'm not, that's not why she's now my ex. <laughs> um, I think there's there's room for at least one human um, as opposed oh, to just the TV show. Absolutely. But then, but yeah, I have I have had kids with Doctor Who. By our, the CD projects, they are my children with Doctor Who. If you want to view it that way. Well, you you transition from being a mm. fan into being yes. a writer for the Big Finish Productions. Yes. Um, and you are, are you the most prolific writer for Big Finish now? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it it's a tricky one to count. Okay. I think I'm, I, I'm one of the most prolific ones, definitely. Um, the, the reason I say it's difficult to count is because I, I know on a list that at this exact moment that we're recording this, uh, I've got 99 plays within the Doctor Who universe with my name on the front that I've sort of some way connected to. Um, and within about a week or two, that should go up to 100. So, And I don't think anyone else, like across all mediums, has mm-hmm. done 100 scripts no. with their name on it. There, But it becomes a little bit tricky to count because there are people who've done audios and books and comic strips and mm-hmm. and also as well in terms of like prolific the big finish i write other series and shows as well so i've written i, I kind of write a lot of the avengers for big finish um and there are other people who've, who've written a lot of survivors or or you know adam adam Ad lives and things like that. and and also within my list you've got things which are adaptations and collaborations and short stories. so it's one of those points where you go I mean, I'm just going to go with the numbers they've got on the site, but it's that bit. I appreciate it's a tricky thing to count, um, and I and I try not to. It's very impressive. It's impressive but terrifying. It's 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 a, that's a lot of. I I was doing a bit of a declutter the other day, and I'm kind of was going through these boxes of CDs I've got, and it covered an entire like double bed, whereas doubling them up each part, and it, it, it's just looking at this enormous pile of, of things I've. I've made in this enormous pile of plastic, just looking at it going, oh my, that's a, and it's not even the whole set of them. There were some which just uh, for whatever reason I packed away already or whatever reason kind of hidden in other rooms. And yeah, slightly terrifying to be honest with you. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of numbers. It is, it, you know, as, as I say, weirdly, I think it's once you hit a hundred, you got, there's going to be this, oh gosh, I don't know. I've hit a hundred. Do I need to write any? I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. So yeah, there's a lot. I want to get into the transition yes. of being a fan to being a to to being a writer to being a, a creator within that universe. Yes, that's not easy for some people. No, uh, because they have this kind of precious idea of what the the product is. But I actually just realized some of my listeners might not know what Doctor Who is. I find that hard to believe, yes. but it's possible. And you alluded yes. to different doctors. Could you, with all respect to Jessica Regan, sum up Doctor Who in a sentence? Oh no, <laughs> um, I. I... 
I, I suppose <laughs> I'll give it a go. I suppose so. Doctor, I mean, it'll be a convoluted and long sentence. So, Doctor Who is a uh, long-running British TV series about a time-traveling eccentric, played by multiple different actors with multiple different personalities, who goes around fighting wrongs and defeating evil throughout the history of time and space. That is a very admirable description. We're coming up on the 60th anniversary of yeah. the show. So and and I did time. it in a sentence. Yeah. You don't need to no. watch 60 years of it. I've just done it. You know all no. you need to know now. Perfect. Start wherever. Yeah. And as you said, like starting with the that transition uh, to the fifth doctor is great. Now now would be a really good time to jump in, actually. Because um, yeah, yeah. yeah. who oh, knows what's happening? Yeah. It's um oh it's a it's a wild and crazy ride, the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm assuming I'm assuming you've seen some of the reaction videos to people watching the show as it was happening and David Tennant appears. Oh no, I haven't seen like, those. I haven't oh. seen those. I didn't I didn't know they were a thing. Oh yeah. Reaction videos on YouTube of like, wait, the clothes are the clothes are changing. That that that's David Tennant. That's David Tennant. Like people freaking yeah. out. Oh, there will always be some yeah, there are all manner of glorious freakings out happening every time. So He's such a popular doctor. It makes sense that people are excited, but but he's never gone away. He's, <laughs> he's never gone away. That's the thing because I've written for him in the interim. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, but we'll get to that. We're, we're, I'm I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Aren't oh, we? That's the uh, thing, so. so talk to me about this pursuit, writing for Big Finish. Yeah, putting your fandom out there. How was that for you? It's a it's a, it's a slightly weird sort of thing because um, I kind of I had a weirdly sort of up and down uh relationship writing wise because i remember like like years ago there was a doctor who magazine article about would you like to write for doctor who here's how you approach this and uh some of the things they suggested were things like um well having an interest in writing other things mm -hmm. and i was always kind of a writer i was always writing like short stories at school um a little play that's when i was at drama school because i was you know because an actor and uh, i'd write little sketches and and scenes for other people to do in little short plays. Um, and when I was, you know, in my teens, they did the Virgin New Adventures, which were because basically the TV series stopped in about mm -hmm. 1989 for 16 years. And uh, they released, and Virgin Books released several novels and then BBC Books did as well. But And they were, because I think that the series was slightly you know, unloved. They were they were able to experiment with that quite a bit and uh, get in like anyone at all could pitch a, a a novel if they wanted. And you know, some of them kind of turned out to be you know amazing legends. I mean, the most obvious one is being Mark Gatiss uh, from the League of Gentlemen and and all those things. And I remember I remember feeling a certain Mark Mark wrote a couple of these Virgin novels in. The, the mid 90s and then a few years afterwards when the league of gentlemen won the perrier award and yeah i got the tv show i remember having this slight bit of going oh i knew who he was already <laughs> i i didn't need to see the league of gentlemen tv show to know and i was vaguely aware of reese shearsmith because of the autumn so you know it's it, it's all those sort of things um where um yeah that that it, it all kind of disappeared and i you know like like a lot of fans at the time attempted to write a novel and pitch it at my at age 16. And I, I, I mean, I don't think it, I haven't read it again in ages. Um, I'm not in a rush to, I don't think it would be terribly good. Um, so not 101. No, no. no. I mean, it's it, to be fair, it had, it, I, I do think it had some really genuinely nice ideas and plotting and it's thinking back. Um, but I think, I think it, the prose has never been my medium. Um, 
I I was always aware I was I was quite good with dialogue and writing scripts. I think that's because I'm an actor as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but also it's also the way I kind of approach parts. I'm very aware when I'm writing a script that I kind of not that terribly fussed about interior monologue and and I, I kind of let the characters speak and and so and I can't necessarily pin down why they say this line or that line. It's usually just um, a sort of a gut feeling, and and if I try and write that in prose, it just feels like going. Nah, I'm just guessing. If or I'm just, or, or it feels like I'm I'm a script writer adding he said she said at the end of lines of dialogue. I mean, to be fair, I've, I've written some prose. Some of that hundred list of titles is uh, there's I think like two prose, sorry, a, a couple of short stories. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's it, it's not really my field. Um, Round about the time I sort of leave drama school, so which is 1997, uh, a couple of years after that, 1999, big finish, start up with their Doctor Who releases. They've done a few things with a character called Beneath Summerfield before, but that was mm-hmm. the first time they released one of their Doctor Who audios. And these are, again, if people aren't familiar, um, audio dramas based on the characters using most of the time the original actors who played them. So the first one that was released uh, featured Peter Davis and Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, who were the fifth, sixth, and seventh actors to play it on TV. Um, and and we've done further ones with uh, Paul McGann, Christopher Eccleston, John Hurt, David Tennant, and, and 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 various other people over the years since. And this is about 1999. I've just left drama school. Um, they kind of have a vague open. You can send in some stuff, but I'm kind of not massively fussed about trying it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to do the acting career, get that working. Um, I am also trying to write like a straight play and if i end up do writing a straight play um that uh people seem to like and keep trying to sort of put on it get, ends up getting done at a, a, a fairly prestigious theater called the royal court in london has a young writers festival and it gets sort of a, 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 a hand, hand a script in hand reading in a, in the year 2000 mm-hmm. and get invited to go to australia to represent the country all of that there's all manner of things that happening and it's mainly as, a, as like a straight playwright rather than uh, specifically Doctor Who, I think, I, and I think it's this combination of, oh yeah, I, I quite fancy attempting that at some point. Um, yeah, but then after pretty much about the time I, I'm, I'm after I'm, I'm busy, suddenly big finish go. Actually, we're getting too many submissions, so we're closing the window, and suddenly it's shut. And it's a bit, and it's that point where we go, ah, oh right, ah, that would have I should that probably been fun. sent something in. Yeah, and then. Um, a few years later after that they have like an open submissions window where everyone can submit storylines and I think again by that point I kind of approach it in this in a slightly cocky arrogant way because as I said I've had like a royal court play I had I had CV items I had mm-hmm. a reasonable CV and I think I submitted some storylines going oh you know the, the, the CV will speak for itself I, I don't think the story's quite developed enough but it, 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 yeah I need to send it and again they all get rejected understandably because they're not quite ready mm. um, and and also by this point as well I'm not. I'm not getting masses and masses of work as an actor. I'm getting a bit. I'm enough to keep myself, you know, involved in doing it. But it's uh, it, it was something more to do. So, yeah, it became a, a a bit more of a okay. I wouldn't mind doing that now. I wouldn't mind attempting that. And then, so this is probably like the mid 2000s. Mm. And then it becomes a bit of a quest of finding a way to do it. Um, and 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 I, I think. Um, it's also worth kind of mentioning as well, pretty much at the time I start kind of actively trying to make it happen. Uh, it's sort of the time it comes back on TV. So it, it's, it's pretty much that moment of going, oh, it's not, it's not kind of anything to be embarrassed about anymore. Yeah. Not that I was embarrassed about it before, but it, it's um, suddenly it's a, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's something where, you know, I can happily talk about it. And other people who were a bit embarrassed about it kind of go, oh, my God, yes, I do actually like that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and getting excited by it. Well, and the people they've had writing for them and who are connected oh, who yeah. are fans like Neil Gaiman and, and Frank Cottrell Boyce yeah. and like Stephen Moffat, like it 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 is a more prestigious thing than it may have been during the lean years of the 16 year absence. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I mean, for me, it it's always good. And what it did, particularly in, in the original sort of the, the original run of it mm-hmm. um, is. It, it encourages creativity. I think. I think it is a. Uh, it, it encourages a wide range of storytelling. It encourages, and you, you know, particularly if you're a fan of the old one, where you kind of really have to use your imagination to get beyond the budgets and the special effects. Um, yes. The, you know, there are various stories where you kind of where there are some stories. That there's one I kind of get uh, almost notorious for like eulogizing whenever possible called the Web Planet, which a lot of people hate, which is this story from about 1964, 65, um, where there is not a single human character in it and this mm. is uh, there, there's like there, there are either butterflies or giant ants or they're all insects of some form or other and there has never been a clearer example of reach exceeding grasp yeah. in this one because because dear god in heaven they're attempting this amazing epic on the le- level of lord of the rings on a 1960s bbc studio budget and uh but but the thing i was feeling it's the kind of the inverse of that oft quoted bit from um Jurassic Park, um, you know, um, quite everyone says is um, they've spent so long thinking whether they could do something, they stopped to be, decide whether they should. It's yeah. the other way around. They they spent so long thinking about whether they should do something that they forgot to consider whether they could. And that's the right way. Mm-hmm. They This is an incredibly ambitious piece of TV and the script is actually quite good. Um, but um, slightly let down by the execution, but you kind of go, oh my God, look at the balls on them for trying that. Yeah. That's really exciting to me. But yeah, yeah so anyway, that's wind forward. I've kind of got on a complete segue then. Um, yeah, the I, I kind of start pitching things around. And the thing that's frustrating for me as well is because often people will ask, how how did you get into doing it? And and the, 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 the I can't really give any, anyone any reasonably decent advice because it's a completely unrepeatable set of coincidences and circumstances. Um, the, the, there are a few bits that are quite useful. One is that, as I say, I'd had these ideas rejected. Um, at least one of them, I really quite like the basic basis of it, and I thought, ah, but you know, if I tweak this and tweak that, that develops it. The, the, in, I realised the mistake I'd made. Sorry, the, why it wasn't developed. I thought, actually, this is where it escalates. This is how I escalate it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I couldn't submit it to the Doctor Who. So, but then they were doing other shows. They were doing the Tomorrow People, at the time. and I thought, hmm, maybe I'll pitch it for the Tomorrow People instead. And I got hold of the email of Nigel Fares, who did that. And he said, yeah, you can pitch it for the Tomorrow People. Um, oh, and um, we do Sapphire and Steel as well, and you can pitch for that. I love Sapphire and Steel. Um, that's one of my favourites. Um, tomorrow, people, yeah, can take it or leave it. Uh, in fact, mainly leave it. Um, um, I think the audios are very good, though, but but the original TV series, it's kind of rubbish. And um, Sapphire and Steel, brilliant. And I went all out trying to pitch a Sapphire and Steel. Mm-hmm. But I then think Nigel, I, I sent it through to Nigel way too early, and he didn't get a chance to look at it. That's what I think happened. Uh, in the intervening time, he commissioned the second series, probably has forgotten mine existed. Um, and one of the guys commissioned to write it is a guy called Gary Russell, who then gets asked to be script editor on Doctor Who on TV, so he has to quit and, and drop out of writing the script. Nigel has to come up with a plot and write one in about a fortnight. He writes this one called Cruel Immortality, which is set in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. My one was set in a nursing home. The one I picked was set in a nursing home. 
and mm. and I don't think he'd ripped it off. I, mm-hmm. I as I say, I'm not convinced he'd actually read it. If I'm being absolutely honest, um, but I think when we draw this to his attention, he goes, "Oh crap! I've got to look at this. Double check. I haven't like ripped it off." Really, yeah. the storyline goes, "Yeah, actually, if you could set that somewhere else, that's quite good." And so I get asked to do one of those, and then from that is where the others come from. Um, mm. And just a tiny bit of hustling, but then also having being fortunate enough that people really liked the early stuff I did. Um, and literally the first Doctor Who I had out was one called Solitaire, which people raved about. Um, and, I'm, and I'm still pretty pleased with it. I mean, I listen to, I've listened to it every now and then, and it's a very weird experience because I've no idea who wrote it because it was so long ago. That it doesn't. It feels like a very different person. It's, it's still pretty good, though. Um, um, and and but there's something I found very useful about that, which was that this, that was the first one, the second one of the written, first one that came out, and it gets raved about. And the second one that come, comes out, uh, which is solid enough, but not as good as Solitaire. It's, it's a good mm. one. It's called Echoes of Grey. I like it, but it's, yeah. Um, and there's the advertising copy says, from the writer of the acclaimed Solitaire. And it says, this is like two months later. And it says, if it go, oh, <laughs> people might buy this on the basis of the previous one now. Oh, I've got to make sure they're all kind of hitting within that ballpark. I, and it was literally the conscious decision of I've got to try and like get as close to that as possible. And mm. that's kind of been my guiding principle. And 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 it's kind of, if anything, a bit of a um, bit of a treadmill, because because yeah, then then I keep having ones that people seem to like and get really excited by. And you're going, I'm aware I've got to try and keep up that that level. And so I can't ever send in, send in one where I think no this needs to be special I, or at least I'm trying to make it special I think that's the other yeah. thing as well they can't all be special because because it's not it's not science it's it's an art it's it's, it's, art. it's magic and mm. and so you can try to make them special and I think and my, the, I think I used this as a quote somewhere I said you know you aim to try and write the greatest Doctor Who story of all time you mm. will not manage that but if you've aimed that high if you miss you're still going to get someone pretty there. good. Yeah. 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 Um whereas if you just aim to write a Doctor Who story and you miss you go you go well that <laughs> Yeah. It, who, who cares? Yeah. Um yeah. I think I think it's a great philosophy to have, you know, and for someone who is is as prolific as you are to say I always want to hit this mark. Yeah. I mean that that speaks very highly of you. And I mean you come with this pedigree of playwriting, you know, yes. you were you were successful oh, so playwright before. Limited yeah. I wouldn't call myself yeah. a successful playwright. I'd done a bit, but yeah, it, it was it was you know You had success in playwriting. Yeah, yeah, I was doing all right. I was, yeah, yeah. To a degree, yes. And then to you also have this immense knowledge of the product which not every writer of Doctor Who has. Um no. How do you find like, you know, oh, like they did this story back in, you know, the the, the 80s where where this was was established as canon. Like how much yeah. of that do you get into? I mean, it, uh, it it's a bit of a bit in hit and miss, really. Um, so, I mean, a lot of it is in my blood because, again, because the series was off the air for 15, 16 years, I watched those episodes a lot. And mm-hmm. also because I was a slightly obsessive ADHD kid. I watched them a lot as a kid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of them where I haven't seen them in a while, but I, but you know, vaguely in in my soul, there's a bit kind of going, oh yeah, there's a thing there, or, and I vaguely know where to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but um, most of the stuff I don't have to think about, and then every but but this is the other thing. Most of the time, you're working with someone who's who's equally got that same level of of knowledge and love. You know, it, it's pretty much all of us as script editors have got that, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, 
uh, but at the same time, it's quite fun because I do script edit other people, and often I find it's really useful for it to be someone who um, isn't as familiar with Doctor Who, because mm -hmm. there is a certain degree where they will bring something where you're going, oh, you've got you've come in from a different angle, you come up with something really kind of interesting that isn't because I sort of probably fit into certain shapes automatically without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, yes, I try to break those shapes and subvert those shapes whenever possible. But sure. I, there's a certain set of rules I'm kind of probably, without thinking about, I'm going about. Other people come in and they don't know the rules. And often mm -hmm. I will like suggest to people, do you want to write one? And they go, oh, I don't really know that much about Doctor Who. And go, you don't have to worry about that. That's not, that's not your job. Mm -hmm. That's my job. My job is to know about Doctor Who. You, if you don't, then I don't mind. You know, mm -hmm. you can, if you can come up with something from a left field angle, then I'm really happy to kind of go with that and try and shape it into something. And I, I, I'm doing that with people all the time, particularly when, particularly recently, where, where because you know the fandom of I was growing up was very, very heavily white male, um, that we kind of at least wanted to diversify the workplace, and that means trying to find people who aren't automatically fans a lot of the time, and uh, and but are, are good writers, and and trying to persuade them that they have the ability to write a Doctor Who without particularly being a fan of it, and you're kind of having this bit going, but you don't have to be. I I can do that. I can help you with that. Um, that's uh, kind of exciting. Um, mm. But certainly, I mean, uh, th there is one writer in particular who who um, I won't specify who they are, um, but um, I kind of uh, we occasionally want to kill them from a script editing perspective because they they will literally keep sending me these emails, kind of going, I mean, they say say I'm, I was going to write this in this story, um, mm. but is it a little bit close to the the the, the gran of creme? And, and I'm going, the what? The, what, the what, what? What are you on about? And they get the, and, and I kind of look it up and, on, the, on the line, and, and, and it's something from like a spin off short story from a spin off that's been published by an independent publisher because they've gone onto the Doctor Who wiki. And the Doctor Who wiki is great, but yes. no use for anyone writing anything because it, it, it combines absolutely everything. So it, it's everything from the TV episodes to the Sky Ray Lolly cartoon strips where where it's this bit going no you don't have to worry about that and i i was telling them that uh because we were doing a little bit of a secret santa with a group of us i was saying i will get uh, if, if i had them for my secret santa i would have done i would have printed up the phrase step away from the tardis wiki and framed it for them to put on their <laughs> desk because because they really should and then yeah and, and, and I, I adore them. They're a great person to work with. They're, they're really good fun. But every now and then I want to kill them. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also going to direct them to listen to this. So just <laughs> because they'll know it's them. Excellent. Um, and, well, um, well yeah. welcome here, friend. One of the things that I have come to appreciate about Doctor Who, especially because I've had people in my life go like, oh, I don't know where to start. I'm not really into sci-fi. The, the science fiction aspect of the show is really a starting point. Um, and I, like some of the best episodes are ones that just go in a totally different direction. And because it has the sci-fi element, yeah. it can be horror. It can be mystery. It can be suspense. It can be whatever. Like it it's an be... incredibly plastic. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it was kind of interesting. I, I think it's very useful these days. I weirdly, I tweeted about this like literally the, the day or so ago that when I was a kid, everyone's going, oh yeah, we love Doctor Who. Love Doctor Who because it can tell any type of story at once. It can go anywhere. And then you go, yeah, but the moment you tried to do that, fandom went nuts. So yeah. <laughs> because they're kind of going, no, it's got to, it's got to be gothic horror set in Victorian England. Um, and, but that was when I was a kid. Now with the, in the more modern era, yes, it kind of has a, a bit more of that variety and craziness to it that I think 
Um, but but odd, oddly enough, I was having a conversation with our previously, or our already mentioned colleague of mine, Jessica Regan, yeah. um, because I was reading a science fiction novel relatively recently, and I said, I, I'm struggling with this one. And I think it's because I don't really like science fiction. And she went, what? Yeah. Because she's baffled. <laughs> But what I do, well, Doctor Who isn't really science fiction. I think of it as science fantasy, and it's like Star Wars is science fantasy yeah. as well. It's you know, it's wizard yeah. in space for crying out loud. It's it's not, and the actual like, I mean, to be fair, I don't entirely. There's some science fiction I really like, but but like proper sci-fi. Um, but but there is so much I was going, and and it's sort of all manner of different things in in one Doctor mm. Who, and and as I say, the, the the ability to like take travel anywhere and tell any kind of story. So. I, I, and and from a writing perspective, that's a great freedom. I, I will occasionally just go, oh, oh, I feel like doing a scary one for, for a moment. I haven't done a scary one in a while. Or I'll do a comedy romp. Or you know, I'll write Fargo. Or um, yeah, I, 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 I've done a couple of farces, mm. um, and it, 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 it's a great sort of starting point. And I, I think. I, I think as long as you kind of use the character of the Doctor wisely in it, uh, then I think you can tell any story you want. Really, I genuinely, and and to be to be fair as well, I, I kind of feel you have to because I don't know, you don't just want to keep repeating the same ones you've done before. So finding new and exciting things to do with it is really really thrilling. Really, and after sixty years, you're going to have to go in different directions. Like you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. And after a hundred scripts, so. And after you were under script, yeah. yes, yeah, because because that's the thing. I start, that's something I do struggle with. It's that bit of going. I must do something different every single time, and I want to do something that no one's done before, or that, or it has something interesting mm-hmm. or surprising it every single time. Do you have time for some fast forward, some quick back and forth question yes. and answer things? All right, yes, I do. I got plenty of time. Yeah. All right. Is there something that you, John Dorney, were a fan of that you've cooled off on and are no longer a fan of? Oh, oh! Now let me think about that one. Um, gosh, you know, I mean, I, I will probably not say. I don't think so. I think um, I've got an obsessive d- desire with these, even if it's not something I necessarily am still kind of paying attention to or kind of committed to. I think once I've I've started then I finish. And I mean, obviously there's a few, I, I think it's almost true of like most TV shows to a degree mm-hmm. that, you know, it'll start going and there'll be a point where you go, you know what, you, you, you slightly jump the shot. <laughs> but but even then there's that probably going, but because if my heart is still with you, like from the beginning, I, I mm-hmm. don't think it ever quite goes. Um, I mean, I mean, let me think, I mean, uh, no, I think I think everything I kind of can be up and down on. So I was, think, I was thinking, uh, I, I'm not a fan of of most of the other Star Wars films apart from the original three. Um, but but then every now and then there are moments, and there are things I find interesting because I I did a I, I was was watching them with my nephews, mm-hmm. uh, or, or there was a point where I started trying to watch them with my nephews, roughly around when the Force Awakens came out. So I mm-hmm. so I saw seven of them within about. Fortnite and uh and so did force awakens and thumbs up okay oh uh, yeah yeah i don't i don't like the force awakens i i i i feel that it's so blatantly just a new hope again and it just feels yeah. like it, that lacks imagination for me um but then i watched the the the, the prequels and even with the prequels i'm going you know what i mean I, I think they're messy i don't think they're great storytelling they are showing me something new so i kind of preferred them even even if you know 
I, I don't, you know, I, I don't even dislike Jar Jar Binks that much. I think that's overstated. But um, I, oh, incidentally, as well, I have this whole thing about the Ewoks as well. The Ewoks are exactly the right thing to defeat the Empire. The Empire yes. would never be defeated by something they they would only be defeated by something they would overlook and tiny little bears on a moon. Absolutely yeah. what would beat them. Anyway, tiny the bears part, would uh, yeah. destroy, destroy did, did, them. Yeah. Did the prequels, then thought, yeah, that's right. And then watched the, the original trilogy and went, oh yeah, this is what I want. And then really the only one of the films, well, not quite the only one, I remember seeing Rogue One and go, that's it. That's yeah. got me that vibe again. Mm-hmm. And But then I'm kind of back and forth all the time. So yeah. I, I like Last Jedi, even if I can see why people think, you know, it comes in, it comes in and breaks a lot of stuff, and I can see why people would be annoyed by that. There is at mm-hmm. least part of me like is weirdly conflicted with it because there's part of me going, "I love the fact you've come in and broken stuff." Oh yeah. my god, you've broken it though. It, it's it, it's it, <laughs> oh you broke, but it's it's yeah, I love you broke. At least it. you tried. Oh, Rise of Skywalker, no. Um, yeah. Solo, better than I think it's reputation. But then the TV shows again, back and forth, um, mm-hmm. and 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 it's this weird mix of kind of going like Kenobi which I can I, I generally enjoy Kenobi but at the same time felt it was kind of redundant and didn't need to be there and then Andor is the greatest Star Wars thing in years um, so it, it's it's I, I can be back and forth and same with say Marvel as well yeah. Uh, yeah whereas that kind of mix of there's a lot of this now and it's a lot of it's the same and then yeah. then there'll be something that comes in and go actually this is quite fresh and interesting and I'm back again um but but I think you get that with a lot of running things. Crying out loud, you get it with Doctor Who. You don't like every single uh-huh. episode of that. There'll always be... Yep. And, and that's the joy of all of these. There'll be another one coming along soon. And, it, and it'll surprise you and gr- grab yeah. you back and pull you back in? Like, yeah. you know, I... I, I appreciate this is the fast forward, but I'm, that was a very long and convoluted answer. <laughs> it's all right. I don't care. <laughs> it's perfect. Um Next question. If, uh, yes. sorry, of all of the films you've watched for Best Pick Pod, of which I'm yes. a huge fan, which yes. one surprised you and stayed with you the longest? Uh, I mean, oh, there's a, oh, that's a, that's a tough one because there are a few that leap, leap out at me. Um, because it's, I'm going to go for one specifically that I watched for that because the, there's, oh, probably Wings. It's mm. probably Wings, which is the first one. There's a couple of other really strong contenders. Um, weirdly, one of the others is the third one, which is all quiet on the Western Front, mm. um, and the that original version of that is chilling and yeah. really. And, and it was the one of the early ones we watched, and it was the one where we, we really figured out why the format we had worked. Because the format, if anyone hasn't heard it, is we would discuss the making of the film and the Oscars that year and the film of that year, watch the film, and then we come back and review it. And you can hear how much we changed mm-hmm. because that film we came out and we we're all feeling shell shocked. Because it's yeah. a proper horrors of war one done in the in you know 1929 I want to say yeah. uh, possibly 1930 and crikey it's brutal. The other one is another war one. In fact, they're all war ones. The ones I'm thinking mm. of. Um, um, Best years of our lives is really there. <sighs> I love that film. I love it's that superb. Film. But basically, no one damn watches it. It, no, it was it's it's so hard it was to get. It's gone with the wind. And nobody, yeah. and, and 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 now it's largely forgotten. And you kind of, but it's such an astonishing epic, and 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 with as as with um, all quite in the Western Front, and as I say, wings shots that stick in my mind. There is a sequence at the end where it's just this amazing shot where all life and activity and busyness on the right hand side of the camera, and two people being very very slow on the left hand side of the same shot, mm. and. Oh, it's amazing. And yeah. that stuck with me. And that was four years ago or whatever it was. And Wings, as I say, which is the very first one, which is silent, three hours long. 
and dear God in heaven, it's good. And, yeah, and just really thrilling and exciting. And yeah, you need to watch a few shorter silence to build up to it first because it's 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 it requires focus and concentration but it's good really good yeah mm. so those are three that leap out at me almost a lot of the others i'd already seen them mm-hmm. um those are the ones where i hadn't seen them i saw them for the pod and they are sort of indelibly imprinted on my brain and i, I kind of think that's almost true for all three of us particularly mm. i would say best years of our lives that comes up a lot when we discuss it the, the the fact that more people don't know best years of our lives continues to yeah. shock me. Like it, I mean, this, I, it, the sequence of the guy with the, the taking his arms off to show his his wife, mm. like you're not going to want to stay with me because I've had this accident. Yeah, it's it's there's it it should be seen by more people. And Absolutely. and to be fair, it's one of the things where as I say, I'm shocked by it because it was that was me a few years ago. I'd never seen it. I'd not really mm. even heard of it. And it needs to be part of the cultural discussion. Absolutely. I mean, wings at the very least, you are aware it's the first one that won Best Picture if you're kind of paying a bit of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, though, though I got really annoyed. I think there's like um, one of the sort of the, the list of films to watch before you die kind of books where it talks mm-hmm. about, uh, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it's Le Grand Illusion, which is, mm-hmm. no, 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 Sunrise. Sunrise, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Is, was they, There were two awards, the first one, and the one that became Best Picture was effectively the one Wings one, and the more Best Artistic one was Sunrise at the same time, which is Myrna. Mm-hmm. And... And the book, said, the book was saying, well, it's kind of amazing that the best pic- the, 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 the one that's gone down in history is being the the, the, the the best picture. The first winner of best picture is the one that's not as good as Sunrise. And that, that that's the one that's got had the reputation built over the years. Where, and, and, and Wings was the one that won first best picture. And you go, there is a reason why the reputation of Sunrise uh, <laughs> managed to maintain over those years. No one thought Wings existed anymore for decades. Yes. Um, yeah. you, you could not see it. That's why it didn't get the reputation. It's just as damn good. In fact, I prefer it. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, what is the geekiest thing you own? Oh, oh, geekiest thing I own. Um, to be fair, what I'm trying to figure out if there's anything I don't own, <laughs> any, any geeky thing I don't own. Everything I've got is. Geeky. I'm looking around my room, and there's this big. Oh, no, that's pretty geeky. That's quite geek. I mean, I've got you know, I still got a lot of my sort of vintage Transformers and. Um, and and Star Wars toys. So I've got I've like got a couple of um TIE fighters uh, sat in my hallway. Um so it's probably something along those lines. There's all there's a degree to which like the Doctor Who stuff, I feel I can't count that because it's nominally professional. It's work. Um, it's they, it's you work. Can write that it's off. work. You can write yeah. that off on your taxes. My enormous board game collection, there's several hundred of those. Um okay. and, and some of those are pretty damn geeky. Um oh, right. I, I actually I will say that I, I have quoted before and this comes back to something we talked about earlier. I genuinely, I have the, the, the geekiest T-shirt. I know exactly what it is. And I've got some pretty geeky T-shirts. A, mm-hmm. a lot of T-shirts I've got are like mashups of different things. So there's like um, Krusty the Clown trying to lure Ralph Wiggum into a drain using a red balloon, things like that. Um, <laughs> but the one where I think the geekiest T-shirt of all time is a Doctor Who one, because it is just the phrase Insect Movement by Rosalind de Winter, um, which is a credit from the previous story I mentioned the web planet from 1965. And the reason I think that is probably the geekiest one is that if I wear that down the street, you have to be a massive geek to know that it's geeky. Because as it is, it's just it's this bit going, yeah, people are going, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't look geeky at all. Yeah. No, no, it's a deep cut. And so it's probably that, I think, actually. Yeah, to be fair, I, I th- that tends to be 
how I express my my geekiness. It's it's very deep cuts. Like if you know, you know, and then we're cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, I kind of like yeah. to do. I like my references to be obscure and appreciated by 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 almost <laughs> no one. <laughs> if if I'm putting in the references, they go, yeah, don't want anyone to get this. Just yes. like three people will think it's the greatest joke in history. <laughs> uh, if you can make those three people laugh, you've. you've I, I, I wrote thing. a play. I wrote a play once, which was well. I think I know of literally one. So this was done like as a at a, an amateur theatre company festival. It was a comedy version of Jason and the Argonauts, and and there was one scene which was them go to see the prophetess or whatever it was, and um, and I can't remember the, the name of the character. But there's one character who had one line in the entire play. And it was they go and see this this princess, the prophetess, who says, um, "says Ah, you will have many great ad- adventures, uh, Jason. Not quite as good as Odysseus is, though." And and Jason goes, "Odysseus, who's that?" And this one guy goes, "What's well, it's, it's a nice name, though, isn't it?" And he goes, "Enough, quiet, um, Hephaestus, or whatever his name is." And the name of that character was the gate. As I say, I wish I knew right off the top of my head the name of the character. Um, because there'll be one guy once who did it in his amateur theatre company knew what that joke meant. That was Odysseus's dad, who was one of the Argonauts. Um, that's a deep cut. That's his name. And it was this big age. So like no one, one person who ever saw that knew what that joke meant. And they thought it was brilliant. Yes. Nobody else got it. And it was, it was that level where you go, yeah, that, that's, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Very fact nobody else knows it's worth doing. With the holidays steamrolling towards us, is there something, John, that you have to do every Christmas? Is there a tradition, a geeky tradition that you do? Oh, uh, I mean, not a geeky one. I, th- I think I did. I've occasionally, every now and then, done the sort of the fairly classic British uh, person of a certain age thing of watching every episode of a TV adaptation of Box of Delights, mm. which was on when I was a kid, which features uh, Patrick Troughton from Doctor Who, but also a really great actor called Robert Stevens, who is probably the single fruitiest actor of all time. It, it, mm-hmm. It's this very ripe performance. Uh, and I, you know, got um, got his autograph once at the RSC in Stratford and he was kind of oh. amazing. Um, but it's this really, it's, 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 it's borderline incomprehensible nonsense. So, so it's, it's, every, the, when I found out that the box of delights is a sequel to another book called the midnight folk, um, that explains a lot of the reference, you know, cause it's, you know, the villain is, Oh, that's, that, that's my old, my, my my old governess and you go what how, how, <laughs> he just happened the villainess is his old gov- why oh because it's a sequel because it's that a sequel. makes sense yeah that yeah but you don't know the tv version they never adapted the first one and just did the sequel without bothering <laughs> to change any of the bits to make sense of this um so i've been known to do that and i've, I've occasionally like tried to do that with the, the nephews um, my, mm-hmm. my, my ex-stepson all of whom were bored witless by it um uh but yeah i think i think there are um you know several things i try and do uh mm-hmm. at christmas but all of it sort of like you know the traditional family stuff there isn't really anything geeky i do mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe mm-hmm. i should i i, I actually i tell you the christmas tradition i try is most years i try and persuade my family to listen to the christmas doctor who i wrote um which is this double bill called better watch out and fairy tale of salzburg which i i'm is one of my favorites i really love it. it is genuinely like one of the most Christmassy things I have ever, and because I, I love Christmas and I wanted yeah. to write something that really had like the spirit of that. So you'd come out at the end of it going, wow, I feel so excited for Christmas. Um, and it's about the Krampus 
and it's set in Salzburg, as the name implies. And but it's got all it, you know. The end. It's deliberately intended to be the most ridiculously uplifting thing in in well in, in, in Doctor Who history. I wanted to really like send people like go yay Christmas. <laughs> um, and and a lot of the reasons why it's so Christmassy, I can't say because there's like a whole joke at the end where I thought, yeah, I can't. Can I get away with this? Yeah, I'm doing this. Um, but um, yeah there's never quite the right time it's like two hours long persuading them to listen to this two hours thing where they've got their nephews and go what should we do it should we listen to it whilst we're wrapping presents which goes on for hours on christmas eve well should we put on the doctor and they're going no it's two hours of focusing and concentration again it's really good though it's not just me saying that well well, John, uh, as I will find myself alone for much of the holidays this year, I think I will I will listen to your two Doctor Who. I'll add it to the ACBC uh, weird British things that I, I yeah. enjoy. Yeah, I, I hope you do. I'd also thoroughly recommend another one called Chimes of Midnight by my friend Rob. Oh, uh, which is I've, yeah, I've heard that. Oh, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. glorious. I, I I'm very aware when I wrote it was a, it's an Eighth Doctor story. And this was an eight Doctor Story one, which is iconic and one of the best regarded Doctor Who audios we've ever done. Um, and I deliberately included a line to reference it on the basis of going, I'm doing eighth Doctor Christmas Story, got to do a tip of the hat to the all-time classic um, yeah. from 20 years ago. And um, yeah, I should probably listen to that again. I haven't listened to that one in ages and that's superb. It's really mm. good. Anyway, anyway, I'll do that. Um, how can people find you on social media? How can they support you? I know there's the best pick book, uh, book best pick yes. pod book. Yes, I think and I think it's at best pick pod on Twitter. Um, I'm at Mr. John Dorney on Twitter. Um, I might be something like that on Instagram. I can't entirely remember. Um, I, I think to be fair, there aren't that. I was going to say there aren't that many John Dorneys. There is also a um, there's an Irish historian. So I'm not I'm not mm. even just like the only John Dorney on Amazon. Um, uh, yeah, th there's an Admiral Michael Boyce who just died and he's getting all my publicity right now. So, yeah. <laughs> I I keep meaning to email the the other John Dorney and saying, Do you want to collaborate on a Doctor Who story about the Irish Revolution? So I, we can say it's by John Dorney and John Dorney, and we can yes. tell people that we argued over the billing. Um, <laughs> John Dorney uh, I, squared. I, I, I get the feeling that that you know the, the last thing this guy's going to want to hear from is this slightly slightly silly um, English scriptwriter. I mean, he, to be fair, I could be doing. A, I probably am doing a complete service. He's probably got a good sense of humor. Um, he would have to I'm be because the amount of people who must say to him, "Are you the Are you yeah. the John Dorney?" Who wrote yeah. that? He goes, "No, I'm not." Coming up with with CDs of audio dramas to to autograph and yeah. People asking me history questions that I've that I, I, I've I've resisted the temptation to give them made up answers. So, oh, you're you're a better person than I am. I would have yeah. totally messed that up. I'll link to all that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Fantastic. For your time. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me on Geek Four. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek Four Pod, or me on Twitter at MW Boyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. Would you like a jelly baby? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs>